WDBM East Lansing. The Impact. And now, Impact Exposure. Exposure gives a voice to our community and provides a forum for discussing the relevant issues of today. Broadcasting from the campus of Michigan State University, this is Impact Exposure. Good evening. Thank you for joining us on Exposure. It is September 3rd, and I'm Abby Newton. I apologize for the late start. We had a little technical difficulty. However, on August 31st, Barack Obama made an announcement to the nation. Ten days ago, the world watched in horror as men, women, and children were massacred in Syria in the worst chemical weapons attack of the 21st century. The United States presented a powerful case that the Syrian government was responsible for this attack on its own people. Obama said he will let Congress decide if America will invade Syria. Our intelligence shows the Assad regime and its forces preparing to use chemical weapons, launching rockets in the highly populated suburbs of Damascus, and acknowledging that a chemical weapons attack took place. And all of this corroborates what the world can plainly see. Hospitals overflowing with victims, terrible images of the dead. All told, well over 1,000 people were murdered. Several hundred of them were children. Young girls and boys gassed to death by their own government. This attack is an assault on human dignity. It also presents a serious danger to our national security. It risks making a mockery of the global prohibition on the use of chemical weapons. It endangers our friends and our partners along Syria's borders, including Israel, Jordan, Turkey, Lebanon, and Iraq. It could lead to escalating use of chemical weapons or their proliferation to terrorist groups who would do our people harm. It could lead to escalating use of chemical weapons or their proliferation to terrorist groups who would do our people harm. In a world with many dangers, this menace must be confronted. Now we will keep you updated on the latest events, and Congress will meet to decide if we will go to Syria once they return from recess on September 9th. However, today on Exposure, we're going to take a break from the hard news and speak a little bit about a little more things lighthearted. First off, we're going to speak about a wine class that is coming to Michigan State University. We also will speak about an event coming to downtown Lansing, Vim Magazine, and Student Ticket Day at the Wharton Center. You're listening to Impact Exposure. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Friday nights at 10 p.m., get ready for The Mechanical Pulse, where we're spinning all the house, trance, drum and bass, electro, ambient, and remixed music you need to get the weekend started. You'll hear live interviews and DJs spinning straight from the Impact Studios and the best new music on the scene. So tune in every Friday night at 10 p.m. for Mechanical Pulse. Only on 88.9 The Impact. Have you ever considered donating your blood? If not, perhaps you might reconsider. By the time this announcement is through, 15 new people will need blood. In fact, blood is needed by one in every 10 hospital patients, and there is almost always a shortage. There is no substitute for human blood. It cannot be manufactured. It can only come from those willing to donate. To learn more or make an appointment, visit redcrossblood.org. Reconsider blood donation. It's about life. Now back to Impact Exposure. Now, downtown Lansing will be bustling in the next few days. Students are invited to participate in an event that will showcase the marvel and beauty of our downtown just west of our campus. Now, I am here speaking with Kathleen Eggerly and Boris Chie to learn more about the event. Welcome to Impact. Thank you for having us. So tell me about Downtown Lansing 101. It's a first-time event in downtown Lansing, and we're super excited to have students coming downtown. We're inviting students from all across the area. Definitely want MSU students since you're just 
two and a half miles down the road to mm-hmm. come and experience all that downtown Lansing has to offer. The businesses are literally rolling out the red carpets for our students. <laughs> an event created solely for you with student-only discounts, uh, freebies, giveaways, interactive contests, lots of uh, free en- or entertainment all along Washington Square from musicians to different performers, psychics and tarot card readings. It's just going to be a great time in downtown Lansing. And it is the first year, but you said you've been planning it or wanting it to happen for how many years? It's been quite a few years. Mm -hmm. I've been with the Downtown Lansing Inc. for two years, and I know I heard about it before I even started there. The city had been talking about there is always this little gap between the student population and the business or those who work downtown. And a lot of growth has been coming downtown in far as as students choosing to live, as well as young professionals starting to want to live downtown. And so it was kind of the perfect timing to have Mm -hmm. this event. And Boris has an interesting connection to both downtown Lansing and the event, actually. Mm -hmm. Boris, your family actually owns a restaurant downtown, right? Mm -hmm. So what does this event mean to you and your family? Well, the event is like... um it's pretty much an event for us to shine, I guess. <laughs> um, I kind of had the idea of having the event, like, because um, I walk around campus, asking people, surveying people, asking people how they think about downtown and mm-hmm. what they think about it. And th- a lot of them told me that they would want a big event, like um, how Meyer did with a welcome student event. And I kind of brought the idea to downtown Lansing, and, well, the idea went through. Great. And so what kind of impact do you think this event will have on creating that connection between downtown Lansing and East Lansing? Mm -hmm. We're hoping this is an opportunity to really introduce students to the variety of businesses that are down there. I mean, it's not just places to go for dining or for nightlife. There's galleries, there's different attractions, there's museums. It's really a chance to, in a four-hour period, get a flavor of all that downtown Lansing has to offer. And then hopefully creating a lasting impact that they're not only down there to enjoy these student specials, and all that's going on, but they continue to visit these downtown businesses and continue to interact with their surrounding community and then hopefully want to stay in the area long term because they're seeing how vital the area is and how many cool things are happening. And what's the relationship between East Lansing and downtown Lansing right now before any of this has happened? Um, in terms of the cities, mm-hmm. we partner on a lot of different activities and really any sort of event or happening that has a positive economic impact on one community affects all the surrounding communities. So we all understand that and need to work together. And with so many students choosing to live, not only in East Lansing, but a lot of them are choosing to live in the downtown community and having the transportation that's available between the two communities, we're really seeing this merging of needing to introduce students and needing them to feel like whether they live in East Lansing or they uh, live downtown Lansing, they really can experience both communities. Sure. And Boris, being both a Michigan State student, Someone who likes downtown and someone who has family downtown, what would you tell students in the beauty of Lansing? Why visit it? Why go and why experience it for yourself? Well, personally, I think downtown Lansing is a very great place. It's very beautiful. There's a lot of sites that you can go to. And like Kathleen said, we have a lot of museums, even though I don't really know where they are, but we have a (laughs) bunch of them. And I've been to one of them. It's actually really amazing as well. So I feel like the downtown Lansing have a lot of attraction. It just a lot of time is hidden, so students don't actually know it. But if um, people actually go and just explore around, they will find how downtown Lansing is actually very beautiful. Mm-hmm. And do you hope to build or continue to build a relationship with the students in downtown Lansing? And if oh. so, how do you hope to do that? Absolutely. Um, like I said, if they can, if they come downtown for this opportunity to really see what is there and what can be offered, mm-hmm. we're hoping not only will they choose to live or at least visit downtown Lansing, but they'll really become engaged. We have so many volunteer opportunities. We have so many wonderful festivals throughout the entire year that students can be a part of, whether it's just attending or, like I said, volunteering, um, being a part in some way, interning. There's really a whole host of options available to them, so we're hoping that it has that lasting effect. Mm-hmm. And as a person who grew up in Lansing and also a student who went to Michigan State, did you get to explore the Lansing area when you were here? I did a little bit. Mm -hmm. I will admit, I was like a lot of students that I've talked to or that Boris surveyed. Um, I knew East Lansing and I knew it was available here. And then as I got a little bit older and wanted to get away from the college scene, senior year and everything, that's when I started Mm -hmm. getting introduced to more downtown Lansing. But I will say, since I've graduated over the last five years, downtown Lansing has really changed. I think Boris can attest to that Mm -hmm. fact, having seen the changes Mm -hmm. from a business and student perspective. It's a very different community than what I heard 
being a local my parents talk about or other people in the industry talk about for years. And so I'm happy to see that change. And I want everyone to get as excited and passionate about it as I am or our interns that we have working with us and students like Boris who are choosing to be a part of it because you really can change the community and help shape it for the future. And who knows, maybe you'll end up there. Maybe. I hope so. <laughs> well, again, this is September 6th. Do you want to give any more details before? Friday, September 6th from 4 to 8 p.m. That'll be when all the specials, entertainment, everything is happening. If you want a complete lineup of who's participating and what will be available, definitely go to downtownlancing101.org to view all the information. And we just encourage students to all come down. It's open to everybody. Great. And just one last question. What's the one-on-one? Is it because it's the first time or because we're getting a complete tutorial of downtown That is is, uh, the whole premise behind it. (laughs) It, Definitely the first one, but we thought it had lasting effect and students could kind of feel that connection with your classes and the whole event, the promotional materials, everything is set up like a class schedule. And you didn't label it a 400-level class, so we're feeling still at ease taking this one. It's (laughs) okay. You can totally get introduced. You don't need to be an expert on this. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for coming, Kathleen and Boris. Thank you. Thank you. You're listening to Impact Exposure. First floor. Hey, what floor are you going to? <clears throat> oh, uh, three. Thanks. <coughs> hey, didn't we uh, have... Yeah, that one class. Yeah, that's so funny to, <laughs> to see you, because I <coughs> thought maybe we could... Uh, would you ever want to... Um, <coughs> I was wondering if you, if I could stick my finger in your eye. What? No. Seven. Oh, I just flushed some toilets and touched a doorknob. What? I've been keeping this moist Kleenex Ew, in my pocket. That's uh, so gross. I thought we could, you know, just stick my finger Ugh. in your eye. Is that weird? No, don't touch me. What's wrong with you? Oh, sorry. Well, ever since you got in the elevator, you've been coughing all over your hands and pressing those buttons, so I just thought you were into that kind of thing. Free. Studies show that three quarters of women and only half of men actually wash their hands in the bathroom. That's nasty. Stop the flu and other germs by regularly washing with soap and avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Or at cdc.gov slash clean hands. Impact 89 FM. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. From 10 p.m. until midnight Sunday nights, listen to the Impact Afterglow, where you can hear a variety of relaxed tracks to help you ease into the start of a new week. Only on Impact Primetime. Now back to Impact Exposure. So as we begin the new semester, new students are celebrated and welcomed to campus. However, on Thursday, campus will be celebrating its diversity and cultural inclusion at an event called Spartan Remix. To talk about the event is Katie Ott from the Associate Students of Michigan State University. Katie, welcome to Exposure. Hi, thanks for having me, Abby. This is great. You're welcome. So what is Spartan Remix? So Spartan Remix is one of the largest multicultural and diversity events that's held on campus. It's an annual event every year that's um, highly supported by student departments such as RHA, um, OCAD office and a lot of other student organizations and things. So it's a really great way for the community to come together. And it's titled Remix. Why is it a remix? How would you really define that? So one of the cool things why it's called Remix definitely is because it's supposed to really um, be focused on our generation. So so modern, about like hip-hop culture, about music and art, and um, really including all the different diverse cultures that we celebrate here on campus and um, just with our student population. So it's great. I love it. And it's been going on about six years, you said. So how's the response been in the past? Um, every year we, we create a Facebook page and, you know, we anticipate, you know, a couple hundred students maybe to show up after a couple attendees say they're going. But every year it just blows everyone out of the waters when you see so many students packed in one area just celebrating culture and music and everything. It's it's like thousands. So, <laughs> And each year has a theme. And this year's Our Beats Meet. So what is that and what message is that trying to convey? So this year we came up with Our Beats Meet to definitely define all the beats that go on in culture and like everywhere. When you're walking, when you hear drums, when you think of a culture, you think every culture has its own beat, its own sound. So um, that's definitely something we were trying to convey to the public. Mm-hmm. And what can we expect this year? 
um, this year is going to be really great. We'll, we'll be featuring a bunch of student organizations on campus like we do every year with tables and they'll have activities. But also we're really going to have some great performances from Invincible. Um, we have the Breakdance Club that comes annually. We have students like Ray Wanniger and many more. So that'll be really great. What are you most looking forward to after you take on the worker hat and you put on just Katie Ott celebrating hat? What are you going to do? <laughs> I'm just really excited to see all the students get to experience what I've experienced every year attending Spartan Remix. It's something so overwhelming but also so great to celebrate diversity on campus and seeing what students can do themselves and what like all the hard work that we've put in. That's something that I'm just like, oh my gosh, it'll be so glorious to see. And you have a unique cultural history. So is that what drew you to this event? Yeah, actually, um, I'm I'm an adopted Korean American. So coming to Michigan State was a great, great experience to experience being immersed in like diversity. And it's something that I think everyone should really take a grasp on. So it's mm-hmm. something I just I'm like obsessed with. <laughs> She's very smiley. If you can't see her. <laughs> um, so besides that, what else do you have? Anything else you'd like to add? Um, As the liaison for University Multicultural Affairs at ASMSU, I definitely love to promote um, all the multicultural events. So if any organizations on campus, you know, ever want to be in contact or want to celebrate, help celebrate other diversity events, um, definitely, definitely get in contact with us. And this event is open to the public. It's a fun event that brings the community all together. And it's a great opportunity to get involved on campus with any multicultural diverse organizations. Excellent. And it's at The Rock on Thursday? It's at The Rock on Thursday. Good call from 6 to 9 (laughs) p.m. Definitely come. People are welcome to attend at any time. Um, It'll be going all night. So we'll have a unity march. We'll have performances. We'll have games, prizes, everything. And what's a unity march? That kind of sparked my interest. Yeah, unity march. um, We have a lot of the multicultural sororities and fraternities like the Greek groups. They come and um, they, they lead us in this event and we march to celebrate that we are one, that we are, even though we're all these different cultures and diverse groups, we are one student body. We are, we all have the same heart. So um, it's definitely to celebrate that. And I hope that everyone can make it out. Sounds like a powerful event. Thank you, Katie. Thank you so much for having us. You're listening to Impact Exposure. more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Tuesday nights from 8 until midnight, the Impact's progressive torch and twang brings you the best in alternative country and grassroots music. Only on Impact Primetime. You wouldn't send a text while using a chainsaw. Check out these pics of this huge tree falling. You probably wouldn't text while scuba diving. And you definitely wouldn't send a text while making out. You are so smoking hot. I love your elbows. Wait, hold on a second. Huh? I need to send this. OMG, I'm like totally kissing him right now. Dude, what the f***? So why would you send a text while driving? Well, that's different. That's what about 6,000 people who died last year said. Oh. And now, it's illegal in Michigan to read, type, or send any text from your phone while driving. It's a $100 fine for the first offense and 200 bucks after that. Ouch. Check out Michigan House Bill 4394. Be a part of the solution and save a life. And seriously, put the phone away while you're making out. Aw, come back, Cuddle Bunny. You need help. 88.9 Impact. Now, back to Impact Exposure. The Michigan State University school song states, Spartan teams are bound to win. They're fighting with a vim. And with this comes a student-run fashion and entertainment magazine on campus. What's the connection? It is also called Vim, although after speaking with Carly Henderson, I found out the magazine is more than just fashion. Only fashion magazine on campus for MSU. Um, We have a print and online publication now. It comes out every semester, so once every semester, and we just work as a group collaboratively throughout the semester to build up to that launch at the end, Mm -hmm. and it just, it's a fashion magazine. We also work, um, cover a lot of diverse groups. So we have, you know, women's and men's fashions. We also do lifestyle, beauty, um, interior design, just it's really wide range. 
And it seems to me that it's not just a bunch of pictures with girls wearing clothes. It's more than that. How would you describe it? Right. Well, I think it's great. I, th- I just think that we dwell into a lot of what's the trending topics right now. So, right, we do talk about fashion, um, mostly what's trending, um, but it's not just in smaller scale. It's in a large scale. We're looking at hakatur or just like runway. We're looking at um, what's on campus that's been really popular. It's it's just really wide range, especially for men's fashion, too, because that's that's newer. We started it last year. So to have that own spread was really exciting. It's totally diverse. So, And where do you find your models and your staff? Oh, that's great. Um, well, just yesterday was participation, which went really well, I guess. <laughs> it was so busy. <laughs> but we had a great turnout. Um, we were handing out magazines, and there was a huge line for signing up. So names and emails, um, contact information, stuff like that. If they're interested, we have a ton of social media. That's our objective this year is just the marketing aspect, the social media, the Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And we have a Tumblr as well, which is our main website. And you described it earlier as gritty. What does that mean exactly? So what kind of experience will people get in the fashion world on your website? Well, I just think, you know, Tumblr is pretty hip, trendy (laughs) website. So we're only following suit with how we want to express our Vim's voice, as we like to call it. So um, making an example of what we're known for is just that gritty, um, different, very original, you know, still stylish. And it's ever-changing. We always like changing, just like the fashion world, <laughs> even the design and lifestyle beauty choices. Mm-hmm. There's, um, we even have like a makeup editor, fashion editors, you know, art directors. It's, it's great. And the title is Vim. What does that mean or convey? Oh, no. Uh, yes. Vim stands for fighting with a Vim from our MSU fight song. So it just has this integrity and this just like vibrance. And that's what we like to really portray in our group as well as just in our magazine. We really like to be involved with the community. And I think it's really been helpful to us because mm-hmm. the community has been great back to us. So that's it's been excellent. really wonderful. What are some of your big goals for this year? Yes. Well, I know that starting the website was a huge deal Mm -hmm. for us. And the objective there with having a Tumblr and not only the Facebook and Twitter, which everyone's used to, but the Instagram and the Tumblr for that visually stimulating response. It's really quick. It's fast. You can see it right there. You kind of understand the objective just by imagery, you know, um, quotes, um, even videos. Our objective this year definitely for the marketing strategy is to be promoting as many events as possible. Um, being here, I'm so privileged that you had me on the show because <laughs> You're it's welcome just anytime. <laughs> always, you know, students helping students. And I think that's what we're really, our a huge goal is for us. Mm-hmm. Also, we do all of our own advertising. So it's great to get our voice out because the more networking advertising we have, the better it is and easier it is to have more print publication at the end of the semester, each mm-hmm. semester. So um, I will say too, that it's great because the wide range of students that are involved with them, it's immense. There's not only just fashion or apparel, textile, and design. There's art students, marketing, advertising. Um, I know that we have majors that are even in um, like business, mm-hmm. communications, journalism. The editorial pieces are still there. It's not just images in our magazine, but um, there's a, a really wide range of diversity. So I think it just... It's great for a huge campus like this because it encompasses all of the different majors coming together. So, And how difficult, you know, now it seems like a lot of people do get their news and their entertainment from the online. So do you think right. the print magazine will still have as much popularity? I think it's a great archive. Mm-hmm. I think having it is really great just to, you know, say, look, this is something I created. This is something I should be proud of. But that's why I started this website. I think it was a huge push into this online resourcing. I, I, I do believe that it is dwindling, yes, but as a project every semester, I think it's um, something says more than just the print publication of this magazine getting published. I think it's just this archival resource, you know, almost like for the students to have and to give out, you know, have something it's tangible. Yeah, almost. exactly. In mm-hmm. your hands and sure. to look through. And what is your favorite section of the magazine? I hear you have one coming up that's kind of exciting called the Vim Spotlight. Yes, thank you. Well, like I said, we have been doing a diverse range, whether it be men's and women's fashion, um, beauty makeup tutorials or how-tos, the trends and beauty lifestyle. Um, We also started a new interior design section, not just features Mm -hmm. of interior design, but an actual interior design section with um, a new director. 
Um, and then this year, yes, the Vim Spotlight. It's been really exciting to start. We began on our Tumblr website, and I've been interviewing um, women and men, if I can get some. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we've been interviewing people just who have either recently graduated or about to, or who are just doing really interesting projects, whether it be people who are doing these projects now or have really interesting internships from the past and where they're going with their majors now. So if they had just graduated, where are they now? What are they doing? How have they um, turned their major into how they landed their job mm -hmm. position right now? And trying to keep it in rel relativity with Vim Magazine and our voice, sure. what we're trying to get across. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's really exciting just to hear that perspective because the what's next question is... It's a big one. It's, it's intimidating. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's like know, a coffee you... table discussion question. Exactly. <laughs> With maybe a few coffees, not just one. <laughs> so Double if I just, off. if I just, uh, you know, I'm walking through the halls of the dorms and I see the magazine, I pick it up. What am I going to experience? You know, if, and then I finish reading it, I close it. What do you think I'll walk away with? I think it's just this wonderful piece of information that's full of design, editorial work, a vision that we've all created together. There's a huge group of people that we're working with. There's a director's board, yes, but all the, the people that are under the directors are working just as hard. And so when you open it, you see all these colors, these faces, this vision of like hope and opportunity for this change and welcoming, you know, these readers into our lives of what we've worked so hard for. I just it's it's really great, and it's small, too, which is nice. It's compact and portable. Mm -hmm. that is <laughs> Not like nice. the September issue this year of Vogue, <laughs> no that's <kidding>. for sure. <laughs> um, now, where can students gain access to it and also um, start to get involved with Vim Magazine? Yes, we have. Um, I know that we have a stand, actually, outside the Wells Hall Starbucks. So mm -hmm. Perfect. Good place. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was pretty appropriate. Um, but we also do um, put them in the dorms. Mm -hmm. I know that we have launch parties toward the end of the semester, which is great. I know that. Um, we're promoting an event right now, September 6th. It's a Friday, and it's at the Broad Art Museum. And it is a rock and roll concert. Um, it will be hosting People's Temple as well as a couple other bands, as well as an exhibition opening for Hope Gangloff. So the event starts at 6 p.m. with a, a lecture um, with the artist. Mm -hmm. But then at 7 p.m., the music starts. <laughs> and so it um, it's available, open to the public. Anyone at all ages can go. So it's really nice. And um, it's just really fun to be able to dress up and be in a beautiful, extremely prestigious setting. Mm -hmm. It's brand new. A lot of people haven't been to it yet. Mm -hmm. And um, I just think it's a wonderful way to open up the semester. I mean, its participation was great, too. But this is definitely more just us promoting um, ourse ourselves. <laughs> exactly. I mean, there might um, be air conditioning, I think, in the Broad, too. <laughs> yes, they keep it at a certain degree, actually, for the <laughs> <You're> art. <good. laughs> Perfect. And now, Carly, is there anything else you'd like to add? Yes, just thank you so much. I really appreciated coming on and just letting, you know, readers and listeners alike know that we are expanding and that we have a lot of um, goals this semester, let alone this upcoming year, that we're really the director's board and Vim Magazine is really excited to promote. Mm -hmm. I know that the events are really fun, open to the public of all ages. I know we um, it's limited with it being some spots as half of the students here are not 21. Mm -hmm. So we really have been working hard to see how can we get it to every reader and how can we promote this so that everyone's able to um, be included, no exclusions. Mm -hmm. So it's really nice. And my last question for you is, if you're in the Vim spotlight right now, what's next for Carly Henderson? <laughs> <laughs> well, I graduate in May. Um, like I said, I'll be an art history major mm -hmm. this year. So I have a design specialization, so I'll be graduating with that. Um, I hope to continue editorial work, hopefully for a magazine, a design firm, maybe even a museum doing cura um, editorial, curatorial you know, experience. I think it's a very vague, open interpretation, <laughs> but all of my design internships have really brought me here. I think that's another great part about Vim Spotlight is that all of the different internships sometimes don't even have to do with your major, but have gotten you even farther than you thought, mm -hmm. even with a, you know, class or another internship that had something to do with your major. So it's just, we're trying to promote it as much as possible to just get involved as much as you can and mm -hmm. especially to work with us and have fun. Well, thank you very much for coming thank and you, good Abby. luck with Vim Magazine and all the rest of your exciting adventures. Thank you. You're welcome. You're listening to Impact Exposure. Exposure. I'm out of here.
of here. Th thanks again, man. It was good. Wait, time. you were uh, you were hitting it pretty hard tonight. Are you, are you good to drive? Heck yeah! I am amazing at driving. Yeah, man. You sure? I mean, I can call a cab, or we fine. can uh, we can get somebody to take you home. Yeah, you know? yeah. Don't worry. I'm good. Okay. Uh, hey, text me when you get back. Okay. Stop right there. This is stupid. He's drunk. Friends don't let friends drink and drive ever. A message from 88.9 The Impact. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to The Impact Primetime, Prime Time. where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Friday nights from 8 until 10 p.m., The Impact Flashback is your retro music alternative, playing your old favorites from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Only on Impact Primetime. In a world where radio was repetitive and mundane, in a time when FM is plagued by the same 15 songs, an army of new songs are called to battle, and only the strongest survive. Every Sunday night from 8 till 10, sit or spit, only on Impact 89 FM. Now back to Impact Exposure. Now, when someone says college, a common association is beer. Maybe some Bush, Natty Light, or Budweiser if you're lucky. But here at Michigan State University, it could be wine. A class at Michigan State teaches students all about the beverage, and there are even taste tests. Professor Karla Borgovic came to the studio to speak about the unique class. I'm an associate professor over in hospitality business. I've been at MSU now for about 25 years. So in those 25 years, recently I hear you've had this new class based on wine at Michigan State. That's correct. We have a couple of classes. Mm -hmm. In fact, but the one that's really taking off right now is HB409. It's an online class. It made it into the catalog fairly recently, so people are becoming more aware and, and there's more and more attention being given to it. Fall and spring semester, we have 600 students enrolled. And people are still trying to pick it up. That's where it's capped. And this last summer, we have about 250 students enrolled. And what's the whole focus? Uh, in a nutshell, we're trying to make people feel more comfortable with wine, trying to make them understand how wine is made, what the different styles of wine are like, what they might expect. And, uh, you know, a lot of times people get intimidated about wine, especially if they go to a restaurant. And, and if the restaurant staff hasn't been trained very well, sometimes... People don't know what to ask or what to expect. And what we're trying to do is just give you that entry, entry threshold. It can be intimidating, especially when the wine lists are so large at some places and the prices could be so high as well. So you don't want to invest in, in a bottle of wine, which is going to turn out to be something you don't, something you don't like. That's, that's quite possible. The wine can be a perfect bottle of wine, but it may not be to your liking. Mm -hmm. The other thing we're trying to do is demonstrate a little bit in terms of what, what you might or might not like. I have to add, in 409 is a dry class, so we're just talking about wine and, and reading about wine and figuring out, uh, you know, what wines you might like. If you're of age, or if the students are of age, they can go out and do some sensory assessments on their own, but mm -hmm. we're not, in 409, doing any sensory assessment. And were people disappointed when they heard that? Well, some people were, and they were hoping that that would be part of the focus. I do have a subsequent class, uh, Hospitality Business 411, which only takes about 65 students, where we do do sensory. We talk okay. about wine, beer, coffee, tea, any kind of beverage you might sell. And this class, you know, it came upon recently. Why did it come about? Is there a need for it in hospitality and business these days? There's a need for it for our students. Mm -hmm. If you're going to be in, in the hospitality business, say in the restaurant side or the hotel side or clubs, whoever it might be, if you're selling a dining experience, you might want to know a little bit about the wine you're selling. If a customer comes in and they're trying to, uh, you know, they're, they're uncomfortable, like we might have been before we were exposed to anything, maybe you want to be able to make, put them at ease and give them a choice and demonstrate for them what they might expect. So it's really important, I think, or we think, that some of our students who are going to that side of the business understand a little bit about the wines. And how about you? Are you a connoisseur of wine? Would you deem yourself that? I, I, I appreciate wine, okay? <laughs> I, I would not recognize myself as being... Uh, a real expert. I mean, there are people out there who have a master of wine, or people out there who are uh, members of the sommelier, the court of sommeliers, and they have really specific training. Um, some of that knowledge gets too detailed for me. Mm -hmm. Okay, I used to be in the business in the restaurant side, and I loved the wines and the experience and helping somebody's meal taste better or help them find a wine they may like. 
But when you're asking me about the nitty-gritty details, like uh, you, you would have, some, you could have somebody who has a master of wine, then then you lose me. <laughs> so to be a master of wine, is it mostly taste testing or research? What would you say? They do both. Research, a lot of studying, but they do lots of uh, sensory assessments as well. So if you're a master of wine or, or a sommelier, you might be able to blindfold it, identify a wine, be expected to identify it and say, well, this is the year, this is the grape, this is probably the region it came from. And I can't do that. My wow. palate's not good enough or I haven't made the right associations, but... It's something that it, it's available, something that people do do. And have you tried to blindfold yourself and see what you can do? I can, I can identify maybe a variety. Uh, you know, I can say this is a Cabernet Sauvignon, or this is a Sauvignon Blanc, or this is Infandel. Sometimes I'm, I'm right, uh, <laughs> often I'm right, but sometimes I might be wrong as well because it's, it's hard to tell uh, that I have a palate for it. Sure. And looking into the educational standpoint, how do you make wine? Well, it's uh, and it's um, uh, actually a very straightforward process. Mm-hmm. You're, you're choose a grape variety that you like, depending upon where your vineyard's going to be. Different soils, different temperatures, different latitudes may require or prefer a different type of grape. So you plant that grape, and let it grow, to, and let the grapes grow to the desired level of sugar. Often the best uh, uh, wines come from grape vines that are five to six or seven years old. But uh, they, they grow it and then they harvest them when they have the right level of sugar and, and press them. And that juice itself has the sugar and, and the liquid and the flavor and the tannins and the, um, you know, the color, everything you're looking for. And if you're risky, you might just leave it as such and let the wild yeast environment get into the wine and, and start, let it start fermenting. Um, the wild yeast don't always do what you want, so most winemakers today will add yeast to it so they know what's going to happen. They should make their choice, and then the wine sits there and ferments, uh, producing alcohol and carbon dioxide until the sugars are either fully depleted or, um, or until it has reached the level of sweetness that you, you desire in the wine, then the fermentation stops. So when we look at aged wines, that's when it becomes most expensive. And why is that? You're right, that's the wine that becomes more expensive. When you're aging the wine, if it's a higher level wine, a lot of times you'll age it in an oak barrel, a French oak barrel, an American oak barrel. You have choices to make there as well. And as you can imagine, putting your wine in oak barrels and keeping it in your wine cellar for a year or two or three, that means you're not realizing your, your cash you put into it. So it can be quite expensive. And you also lose a little bit. Uh, I mean, the wine will breathe a little bit. You'll lose some wine from the barrels as well. Um, the more reasonable wines you'll find in, in the store, they probably haven't been aged that long. They're, they're perfectly well made, but they're just not quite as complex mm-hmm. and also therefore not quite as expensive. So what kind of taste would you get with an aged wine or a very expensive fine wine per se? But if it's in an oak barrel, you get some, uh, some vanilla notes, some uh, smoky notes from the charred barrels. You might get some butter notes, but also the fruit and, and depending, uh, uh, you get some fruit and floral notes from the wine depending upon the, the grape and how the winemaker made the wine. So it can be a, um, a very straightforward, simple, delicious drink, or it can be a very complex uh, kind of drink where you need to uh, contemplate it and think about it and <laughs> sniff it and swirl it and, and try to get at all the complexities in that wine. Sure. It's, a, it's, a, it's a fun activity and uh, it can be uh, you know just a thirst quenching activity or it can be something more uh, cognitive. Mm-hmm. And in terms of storing wine for yourself, do you recommend corking it with the original cork, um, getting a screw top? How do you best keep wine after it's been opened? After it's been opened, okay, you, well, the easiest things to do is to uh, put it back, put it in the fridge. Put them both back in the fridge. Hmm. It will slow down the t- deterioration and the oxidation of the wine. I put the cork back in it. Sure. There are some systems where you can pump out the air. There are also other systems where you can add nitrogen. Nitrogen is heavier than oxygen. It will sit over the wine and help protect it from the oxygen because it's the oxygen that will deteriorate the wine. And it can keep for two to three days uh, after you've opened it. So, okay. uh, you know... Um, about two to three days, if you're doing that the bottle of wine with a couple of people, that might be fine. And for you, what's your favorite wine? Well, it really depends upon uh, the circumstances. Like today, if I was going to go home and sit on my, on my deck and have a glass of wine, I might want to have a nice bottle of Sauvignon Blanc, a glass of uh, Pinot Blanc, a nice little acidic, fresh, delicious uh, white wine. If it was in the middle of the winter, it's 20, 30 degrees <laughs> outside below, you know, in terms of uh, below freezing I, and uh, building up a fireplace, I'm probably looking for 
uh, Richard Fuller, like a Cabernet Sauvignon, or maybe even a Barolo or something. And how did your interest, and I'd say passion for wine, happen? Well, I, I, uh, it, it probably happened gradually. Okay. I, I was first exposed to wine in culinary school. I went through uh, my culinary training, and then since uh, over the years, I've been exposed to it more and more. When I was an operator, I had to buy the wine and sell the wine and, and make sure it was kept well. And then when I came here about 25 years ago, <laughs> I realized that some people weren't teaching uh, the beverage sequence or the beverage classes as much. So I said, well, I, although I'm not master wine, I have interest, I have uh, dedication towards that side of the business, and I, I started teaching those classes for us. In looking at Michigan, how popular is wine in our state, and maybe even our city? Wine in Michigan is becoming more and more important. Okay, we make excellent wines in Michigan. We used to be known primarily for white wines, but that's not true. Actually, a long time ago, we used to be known for sweeter wines, fortified wines. But today, we make wonderful white wines in a warm, uh, we have a warm, good summer. We'll make some beautiful red wines as well. I mean, Michigan makes great wines. They're not as... Um, it's stylistically different than the wines coming out of California. It's not going to be as tutti frutti, as fruit forward. They're going to be more wines that are really suited for uh, food. Uh, although they're delicious on their own too, but they're really more food wines, more alongside what you might think coming out of uh, Europe. Or and in your class, what do you recommend students try first? If they've never had wine before or people have never had wine, what's your first recommendation? Well, uh, we, we start off usually with something a little more sweet, maybe in the white realm. And we, okay. and we, I used to find that that was the case. However, something's happening, and, and in, our, in our class, I'm discovering that more and more students are actually liking red wine. Hmm. They used to like red and transition, sorry, they used to like white and then transition to red over time. But today, many of the students come in all already with a preference towards red. What's happening? I'm not sure. Maybe they're out exploring more on their own, <laughs> and they've been growing into these wines before they come to our classes. Maybe. That's possible, but that's just been interesting to see. But if you're brand new to wine, this is what I would do. I would go down to your local wine store, one that takes wine seriously, where somebody <laughs> there can talk to you about the wine. Okay, there's one nearby here, just a few miles from us, on, on either side of campus, actually. And go and talk to them and say, this is what I like to drink. For example, if you are like me, you drink your iced tea unsweetened, you're not going to probably want a really sweet wine. But if you drink sweetened beverages, you probably might want a sweeter wine. Hmm. So go and talk to them and say, this is what I'm looking for. I'm looking for this price point, perhaps. I'm looking for something sweet with some fruity notes. And if they know the inventory, and they should, because they're selling it, they should know the inventory, then they can help you find a wine in, in your and that will suit you well and also be right for your budget as well as your palate. Well, thank you very much for the advice. You're welcome. <laughs> Anything else you'd like to add? No, just uh, thank you for letting me come in and share a little bit about my passion. And uh, I tell the, uh, the, the few students or the hundreds of students who weren't able to make it into class, I'm sorry, it's capped at 600. <laughs> well, thank you very much. I think you might instill this passion to others when they hear. My pleasure. <laughs> Have a good day. Thanks, Abby. You too. Listening to Impact Exposure. University opens its doors to new students, the Wharton Center opens its doors to new acts and performances. To celebrate the new season, the Center is having a special event. And to talk about it is Stephanie, the president of the student marketing team. Welcome, Stephanie. Hi. So what is going on? We have Student Ticket Day. Yes, Student Ticket Day is on September 4th from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. And it's really just a time that we try to promote the season and also just to get students aware of student pricing and what's coming because a lot it's sad but a lot of the students on campus aren't aware of the shows or Warren Center in general you know I've had friends that I'm talking to about these shows just raving like oh it's so good it's so good and they're like oh I didn't even know like we could go see that and I'm like I want to choke them because I'm like it's right there come on <laughs> how do you change that how do you change that student perception of maybe not participating in something else over the weekend but going to see a Broadway mm -hmm. show that's right on campus well that's the main goal, I feel like, for um, our student marketing group, Wharton Center Student Marketing, is trying to create awareness and trying to get students to participate in these shows because they are, I mean, you probably know, you've probably seen them, mm -hmm. but they're a treasure to come and it's so much fun to be able to go to one. And I feel like a lot of students don't know that. So we try to come up with these really fun and crazy events just to try and get students aware. And we really put ourselves out there. I mean, last year... Um, we've done a couple tutu walks, like literally <laughs> dressed up in tutus, walking around trying to promote a ballet or Billy Elliot when that came. Or um, my favorite event that we've done so far uh, last year for the ukulele flash mob, 
we we went to the International Center with um, the ukulele choir of Lansing or a group like that. I forget their name, but they walked around the International Center and played their ukuleles. And it was literally a flash mob of ukuleles. Oh my and I was, I mean, that was the first event I attended as a student marketing member. And I was like, oh my God, is this what every event's going to be like? Sweet, <laughs> like awesome. So we really try to create awareness j- literally just by throwing it in people's faces as much as we can in these crazy kind of ways to try and just open people's minds to see what's coming. So do we have a flash dance of tubas next that we can expect? <laughs> I, I wish. I mean, if we if we could find, recruit some tubas, I mean, I'll, I'll play, I'll try, but we'll work there might be another flash dance in the work or okay. flash mob in the works. We'll so. keep it on the down low, Yeah, we'll, you guys will have to just wait and see. <laughs> so how did you get involved with the Wharton Center? Well, I... I live nearby, and so I've been coming here for a very, very long time. I think the first musical I saw there was Phantom of the Opera when I was like five or ten. So, of course, I was introduced very early on by my parents. And part of the reason I came to MSU was because I was familiar with the area and the Warren Center. And I was like, this sounds really cool being able to go see shows. And it's a really great birthday present for my parents. I was like, all right, well, that works. And so when I first came to campus, I already had plans to attend shows, but then I found out about the marketing group and it just sounded so perfect um, for what I wanted to do with my major and just my future career goals. And it was just a really great way to meet new people. You know, as a freshman, I was really shy. I didn't want to leave my dorm room. I didn't (laughs) want to leave my Netflix. So it was really fun having a group of people that were interested in the same things I were. And they're all just so welcoming that you couldn't help but get excited about it. And it really helped you come out of your shell a little, too. So, I mean, I never would have done a ukulele flash mob before I joined student marketing. And it just it's really good at creating an outgoing and creative environment. So cross that one off your bucket list. Yeah, (laughs) you're good. So for students who might not particularly have an arts background or an arts major, Mm -hmm. what would intrigue them to go to a performing arts event? Well, What's great about the Wharton Center is that we have such a wide variety of shows that come. You know, some performing arts centers are very limited. They only bring in operas or classical performances, and that's great. But a lot of students aren't interested in Mozart or, you know, ballets. You know, they're kind of interested in more hip sort of things, which is, I think, what we kind of cater to a lot for, especially being on a campus, you know, we kind of have to. So having a big variety of shows, like having Daniel Tosh come over this summer, like, Everyone's going to love Daniel Tosh. Having Aziz Ansari come, like, it's a big name in comedy. It's popular. But then we can also, you know, the next week we'll have a performance that's more catered to our classical fans. So I think having something for everyone is a really big advantage that we have over other performing arts centers, especially on a campus where, you know, college students may not be as interested in one show versus another. So I have like a bunch of friends who've already gotten tickets to see Aziz, whereas I don't know anyone who's gotten tickets to go see a ballet mm-hmm. except like my music department friends. So it's nice that we have something for everyone, literally, literally something for everyone. And so as a student on the student marketing team, do you feel the Wharton really came to you guys and said, hey, what do you like? What would be good to bring to the Wharton Center and asking you questions like that so they can provide these experiences for students? Yeah, definitely. I feel like the especially the marketing staff really looks to us to get feedback from students about what they like, what they're interested in. And of course, we cater to our other fans that are off campus, you know, the older audience that come. But being on a campus, like I said, is so influential on what we bring because as a student marketing group, we are literally kind of the liaison between the marketing staff and the students. So, you know, it's great having that kind of um, group that you can tap into and say, well, how do you think this will sell? Or how can we make this sell? How can we generate interest for this? So even when even when there's a show that maybe we don't think the students will be as interested in, you never know. And it's always worth it to try something. So I like I like that we're that, that leeway or that mm-hmm. pathway between the staff and the students. And do you feel like the staff might have been um, surprised or your, I guess maybe your perspective brought some really unique thing they never thought about because you've got that youth, you know, energy, you've got that naiveness, you're ready to go. <laughs> yeah, I feel like, oh my gosh, it's so funny sitting in our, in our, in on our meetings because um, our staff will come up with these really great marketing ideas and then they'll talk to us and be like, well, what did you guys think of? And our, our 
creativity is so much different than theirs in some ways that we've come up with really over the top <laughs> ideas and they just get a kick out of it. And some of them we can pull off and some of them it's like way too big to pull off. Like we wanted, we had um, our vice president, Josh Holiday. he suggested a a civil war or a World War II reenactment for War Horse <laughs> when that was here. And we all were, we wanted to do it so bad, but how are you going to pull that off? So it's fun because when you, when you get an idea that's just big enough, but not too big that you can't pull it off, I feel like that's what we've been really good at generating are these ideas that maybe the marketing staff of the Wharton, they, I mean, they're so busy, they probably don't have time to brainstorm as much. So it's fun having that, that creative outlet in a group. So that's what I like to tell people about the group also is that we're not just doing marketing or business or PR. We're, we're really tapping into creative sides and trying to come up with these fun promotions. And I feel like that's a really big hook for students because, I mean, everyone has a creativity that's unique to themselves. And, I mean, I would never come up with a war reenactment, but Josh did. And I would never come up with a ukulele flash mob, but one of our members did. I mean, everyone has their own ideas and it's great to all toss them together and see what we can form out of them. And you know, we are the Spartans, so I think you can find armory for that World War II yeah, reenactment that's somewhere. What I was thinking. <laughs> I'm like, let's get the football players it's involved. Party on board. <laughs> now you're yeah. talking. Don't <laughs> now what are you most looking forward to for the year in regards to the shows and the performing arts? Oh man, I think we have such a great season in general. We have so many unique performances, but I'm really excited for Ghost, the musical, because I love that movie. I mean Patrick Swayze, how can you not? And I'm really excited because I've heard that the effects of how they turn him into a ghost in the production I think that's really cool because um, recently I saw Cinderella on Broadway too and this is becoming kind of a trend with new musicals I think and theater productions in general that they're they're finding ways to make CGI effects happen on stage so in Cinderella she twirls and her dress changes or in Ghost they turn a man into a guy that can walk through walls I mean how do you do that in real life without like a computer so I think it's kind of cool how not only is theater evolving, you know, around story, but it's also evolving around technology. Mm -hmm. So we're at totally a new place with theater and what we can do with it. So I'm really excited to see how they execute ghosts and how they create him into a ghost. And I think I've listened to some of the music and I mean, I've already cried a little, so <laughs> it's going to be a good love story. <laughs> Sounds like it. Yeah. And I mean, students, they have the opportunity to take advantage of each and every one of these shows and mm -hmm. it all starts with your event, right? Yeah. So one more time, just give us a quick brief overview. Well, student ticket day, you know, it's just going to be a really great time if students want to come down and just kind of learn more about the shows and just what's coming and just kind of it's the first step to learning more about theater in my opinion um, I think it's a really great way not only to become familiar with Wharton but f become familiar with performing arts in general I mean these shows are such a gem and they're so fun to watch and I'm just it's sad that a lot of students here don't realize that so student ticket day is such a great event because it really brings people together and really educates them about what's coming and why it's so cool so it's just going to be a really good time. Again, it's September 4th, 11 to 1. It'll be totally worth your while. It'll be worth the walk, I promise. <laughs> it's really fun. I was there last year. I want to go again as non-members so that I can like <laughs> participate more. But They might feed you. You'll they see. Might, yeah, they might feed you. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Stephanie. Yeah, thank we appreciate you. your time. And that's all we have for tonight. Next week, we're going to talk about the events in Syria, but we're going to spin it and talk about a student who was actually born and raised in Syria and has family there. So you won't want to, you know, you won't, you'll have to tune in for that interview. Uh, but that's all we have for tonight. Like I said, and a special thanks to our producer, Gabriela Saldivia, our engineer, Kevin Slater, and also thank you to our station manager, Sam Riddle, and our general manager, Ed Glazer. Keeping you informed and bidding you farewell until next week, I'm Abby Newton, Impact Exposure, 88.9 FM. Broadcasting from the campus of Michigan State University, you've been listening to Impact Exposure.